when you exercise, you have a decrease in functional capacities. For instance, you have a decrease if your maximal force, maximal power, and this is the main definition of fatigue in, in for exercise physiologists. Hello everyone, this is Vikas again with another episode on Runway Fit Page. The conversation today is fairly relevant for us runners because this is something that becomes an obstacle for us to achieve our targets. We want to be consistent with running, isn't it? We want to run more, we want to run faster, but for us to be able to run more and run faster, it's important that we keep recovering in time and then we show up for our next show. But what happens is that we complain and claim that we're tired, we're fatigued. And so we have not recovered from the previous run or an event. And as a result, we do not think we can keep pushing. So I thought, how would we do this? We speak to someone who's extremely knowledgeable about this subject and understand fatigue and its science in detail and see whether there are any tools that you can implement in your life to understand, to measure the fatigue. And once you have done that, how you can incorporate those points that are told in this conversation that will help you manage your fatigue, recover from it, and be able to come back and train again. And in fact, you may just be surprised to know that actually getting fatigue is a good thing. So today, I have the opportunity of inviting Dr. Gee to the show. He is a full professor at John Monnet University in France. Before this, he did his PhD in 1997 in sports science. He has been an amazing, amazing researcher in exercise physiology and has been studying fatigue more specifically among runners. And also he looks at clinical population, that is patients. In the conversation today, like I said, we will talk about the basic building blocks basic principles, basic introduction and understanding about fatigue for runners and how you could become a better version of yourself by understanding more about it. Let's welcome Dr. Gee to the show. Dr. Gee, my name is Vikas and it's a weekly show of the Run With Fit page. We talked about the show before we joined on to this video call, but uh, this is a show where we talk a lot about science from layman's perspective, where I, I ask, I get the opportunity to ask a lot of layman specific questions and uh, um, runners have number of uh, number of concerns, questions about their performances, recovery, nutrition, etc. And today we have the pleasure of hosting you on the podcast. So thank you so much for accepting the invite and thank you so much for being here. Good afternoon. Nice to meet you. I'm very pleased to be a part of this podcast. Thank you very much. How about we get started with uh, your background, uh, academic background and your research interest area, and that will set the tone for our conversation as we continue to go ahead. Sure. Let's make that short because I want to save time for the content. But uh, so my name is uh, Guillaume Millet. I'm a professor of exercise physiology at the University of Saint-Étienne in France, which is a between Paris and the Mediterranean Sea, um, not too far from the city of Lyon, um, that maybe listeners may know. Um, so my area is, uh, as I said, exercise physiology, and more specifically, I work on, on fatigue. Uh, 
so I've been uh, doing research on fatigue for the last 25 years uh, now and uh, fatigue both for patients and runners. Uh, and for runners, it's uh, I'm mostly interested in endurance runners and actually ultra endurance runners. But the the health or the clinical aspects uh, dedicated to fatigue in the clinical populations is taking more and more of my time uh, because this is where the money is for uh, for the funding and uh, also because this is quite uh, uh, interesting to try to alleviate fatigue in those populations. But here, we are, I guess today we are going to talk about uh, the performance aspects. That is correct. Thank you so much for that background. And, um, and you're right, the research focus where you have spent more than two decades is on fatigue. And that is one of the most talked about topic among runners as well. Um, we all as recreational, amateur or even elite athletes want to improve performances. And one of the the baseline requirements of that is if we are able to show up to each of the workouts that's planned and be consistent with it, it's uh, generally going to be successful. But one of the major obstacles that come by is not being able to recover in time and uh, and it has various other implications. And that is why I thought our today's conversation will be extremely important. So. You talked about fatigue. That that's a research it's very intriguing and interesting. And I would request your help in understanding what is fatigue among endurance uh, um, athletes. So our target group is primarily the marathon runners, and uh, a smaller population also is ultra marathoners. And keeping them in mind, uh, what in your opinion, how would you define fatigue to start with? Okay, so as I said, it's very different if we talk fatigue in clinical populations and runners. Uh, promise I will focus on runners, but last time I talked about clinical populations because this is a this is part of the definition of fatigue. So in uh, people, for instance, who had cancer or uh, different uh, chronic diseases, they, they feel fatigue no matter what they do. Even if they rest, even if they sleep, they will still fatigue. In athletes, it's very different. So in athletes, we are more and more talking about fatigability or neuromuscular fatigue, saying that this is uh, different from the patients. This is not chronic fatigue. This is acute fatigue. So if you're healthy, if you exercise, you will get fatigue. And uh, I will try to explain what can be the, the consequences of fatigue in a minute. But if you stop, if you recover, then fatigue disappears, which is different from patients. So in runners or in athletes, when you exercise, you have a decrease in functional capacities. For instance, you have a decrease of your maximal force, maximal power, and this is the main definition of fatigue in, in for exercise physiologists. But there are other consequences of fatigue. Uh, one is the fact that the amount of energy that you need to run at the same speed is getting higher. So you have a decrease of what we call the energy cost of running. So this is another sign of fatigue. And uh, Related to that, you also feel like it's getting harder and harder. So if you run at the same speed, let's say you run at 10 or 15 kilometers per hour, uh, at the beginning it may be easy, and then it's getting harder and harder, and the question is why? Uh, why why you, we feel that it's, it's harder, but uh, if we, we can discuss about that later, but this is another definition of fatigue, basically an increase of ratings of perceived exertion. Right. So... It's an increase of uh, 
rate of the perceived exertion where you start to feel tired as the as the training goes by any any activity that is being uh, taken that's physical in nature thank you so much to get started with and and you're right i remember when the very first time i went out running and subsequently many other times as soon as the the coach will say run i would sprint but unfortunately it would only last for a few seconds i would think that hey i have started this well i'm feeling fresh i could keep going and uh, very soon i would realize that i'm almost hitting a wall that i just cannot move forward and i need to stop if i don't stop i felt like i would fall down so what's happening here uh, as people start why are they not whether it's early on in the workout or later why the the perceived exertion is increasing why are people getting fatigued to even start with it will be so cool to just be able to work out forever yes uh, but i think it's a good thing that we feel it's getting harder because it's a way to protect ourselves uh, against maybe too much exercise that could be a uh, damaging uh, but it never happens or it, uh, it's it's very very rare that you can uh, really uh, damage your integrity your body by doing too much exercise and the reason is fatigue uh, because as you feel it's it's getting harder you will tend to pace yourself and to to reduce the intensity so the reason why we are feeling it's harder uh, there are two reasons two main reasons uh, so the first one is that you are um, when you exercise you contract your muscle and you you start to accumulate some metabolites in particular acidosis and other metabolites and you have uh, sensors in the muscle that will detect that will feel those uh, metabolites accumulation and that will tell you hey be careful you're you're getting too too hard here this is too difficult so you have to slow down so this is what we call the feedback from the periphery from the muscles but also other parts of the the so the joints etc so we have this uh, capacity to feel when it's getting harder. And then another aspect is that when you exercise and your muscles start to fatigue, if you if you want to keep going at the same speed, you will need to recruit more muscle fibers to run at the same speed because the, the first that are recruited, that were recruited, are getting weaker and weaker. So if you want to keep uh, running at the same speed, you will need to increase the amount of muscle fibers that you need to, to, to activate, to recruit. And to do that, you need to increase the central drive from the brain to the muscles. And there is probably a copy of this central drive to the sensory motor cortex. And this is what we call the feedforward mechanisms. So both aspects, probably the feedforward and the feedback, explain why you feel like at the beginning it's easy and then after a while it's getting harder. Wow. So it seems like the, the feed forward and feedback together, if understood well, then there are there are several action items that come about. I wanted to stop here for a bit and talk about when when people start to get feed forward, right in the start when we are feeling fresh and we think that we can keep going. At times it also happens that in the start when you're not fully warmed up, the the kind of uh, feed forward that you're getting is that you can keep going faster and we have seen then very quickly people blow up and not able to continue um, now as against that if people warmed up really really well and uh, and they have trained let's assume they have trained well then they are able to run for longer duration 
So I wanted your help in understanding what's happening here in both the cases. Yes. So the reason you are feel when you train, you're feeling it's easier. It's because you are accumulating less metabolites. Uh, in particular, in endurance athletes, you are going to improve your aerobic capacities, your VO2 max, your anaerobic threshold, that kind of thing. And for the same speed, you will be, for instance, before training, you will be above anaerobic threshold. So where you start to accumulate metabolites. And after training, because you increase the size of your heart, the, the contractility, uh, the, the amount of uh, capillaries in the muscle that can bring oxygen to the muscle fibers, etc. So all those adaptations that are well known now in exercise physiology and that occur when you start training uh, in, in endurance, um, then if you, if you do that, if you train, for the same speed, you will be. You won't be above the anaerobic threshold anymore. You will be below. You will be in a different intensity domain, uh, as we call them. And because you are not accumulating metabolites, then the muscle fibers will not fatigue. So you need to recruit less muscle fibers, and you have less these feedback mechanisms. So both again, uh, both are based on the muscle. Not only the muscle. It's the. It's definitely the. The muscle and the cardiovascular in general adaptation and even respiratory and everything. So all the systems, uh, the temperature regulation, all the systems are improving when you start to train. Right. So it seems like the feed forward and feedback mechanism are great for the body to be able to protect the body from any, um, that we are not pushing ourselves to the, to the boundaries and, uh, and as a result we remain healthy. Now, if that is the case, then I've seen on number of occasions and from my experience of speaking with number of runners that most of them come about to say that they're not able to continue training because uh, they feel fatigued, they don't feel they have recovered, and, uh, and they're not able to hit the same paces or they're not able to increase the mileage, etc., what could be some of the reasons why it's not happening? Is, it, is there any... Um, any fatigue that's been built over a period of time? Is it chronic fatigue? Is it due to recovery or food? Or what could be happening? What should people look at as some of these points? It could be anything. So it, it really depends on the, on the athletes. Some athletes, they, they are maybe too motivated, so they don't take the time to build the training slowly. And so if you if you start training and you want to be a champion, in two months, of course, this is not possible. So you need to start slowly and keep increasing the amount of work, keep, keep increasing the workload that you will do and take the time to recover. Recovery is definitely part of training. So your listeners need to understand that. Uh, it's not a waste of time when you recover. It is part of the, because when you, when you exercise, you fatigue. And of course, you need to recover to super compensate so that you are feeling stronger, but if you don't take the time to recover, you are accumulating fatigue, right? And for instance, uh, one problem that may occur is that people get overtrained. So if you get overtrained, you may actually be uh, going back to the initial part of our discussion. Some, some athletes that are really overtrained, this is pretty rare, but it happens. They are actually getting this chronic fatigue, which is more or less similar to what the patients can feel. So then for them, even if they rest, for several weeks or several months, they may still feel fatigued. So definitely we don't want that. That's why we need to make sure that recover is good, meaning that it's uh, long enough, 
and it's also appropriate. So you are talking about nutrition. Of course, nutrition is a very important part of it. You need to get the glycogen restoration. You need to you need to make sure that uh, the energy is back. You need to make sure that the sleep is good. So this is a another very important part that uh, with the you know the smartphones, the social networks, etc. People are sleeping less and less, and this is this is very problematic uh, in runners and in general in in life. Right. Um, you're right. Now here, as soon as we start to discuss this point with the runners, they say, "Hey, when I was running, I did not know I'm getting fatigued. I felt I was feeling good, and they only realize when they either fall." they get an injury or they fall sick or something like that happens. And then one of the reasons come out that it was possibly because of fatigue. So is there a way that people could measure fatigue right in the start? I also know when I was um, doing some research on your works, I saw a beautiful flush model that you had um, uh, developed and you talk about it very passionately. I'm not sure if that's applicable here or not, but I wanted to understand from you how should people look at it from early on to be able to measure their fatigue? That's the that's the problem. Fatigue is actually easy to measure in the lab, uh, but more difficult to measure on a daily basis. Uh, so one thing uh, you could do is, uh, even so we are talking about objective measurements of fatigue, like a decrease in strength, etc. This is not easy to do. Uh, what you could do is try to monitor your perceived exertion or your, your fatigue. So there is this... Uh, rating of fatigue scale that you could use, or there are some uh, questionnaires, uh, overtraining questionnaires that you can you could use to try to monitor and see if you are not going uh, more and more fatigued. So if you track that, you may you may realize that, okay, now I'm, it, it looks like the tendency is going up, so I'm getting more and more fatigued. It's really time for me to recover, because as you said, and this is, this is actually totally true, if you accumulate fatigue, not only you will get overtrained, but you may also get injured. And of course, uh, we know this is a... Fatigue is not the only reason why you get injured. Obviously, there are many reasons, but uh, you're right that it may be one. So you don't want that for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. There is also um, another way you can measure fatigue is to measure uh, heart rate at rest and measure uh, heart rate viability. So this... uh, it's a different type of fatigue, but uh, it, it works. Uh, people have used that. This is almost the only tool that have been used in athletes to try to prevent overtraining and, and actually to try to, to determine what are the best uh, uh, moment or the best workload that could be used in athletes. So there are different uh, tools um, that can be found uh, online. Uh, some are free, some are not. But uh, so if you look for heart rate viability and athletes, you will find something uh, online. Right. So here I needed your help. Um, it's a very important point you talked about that people, uh, the, the athletes could measure their heart rate at rest and heart rate while training. Now, if, if they had to look at this, because all of us almost have a, have a device that measures heart rate monitor, uh, that measures heart rate as well as heart rate variability now with some of the more advanced devices become a lot easier. So should we make a log of it and see how is it progressing with training? Uh, for example, if I, I remember when I started training, my resting heart rate was about 59 and with training in about eight months, now it has reached to 48. 
will it mean that um, the that the reduced resting heart rate is helping you get fitter and you are improving uh, or um, should people look at it in any other way should they look at it over a period of a week two weeks regularly how should they start to make a little more sense of it so if you have a decrease of resting heart rate this is totally normal so this is a training adaptation a well-known adaptation so no need to worry about it now here i'm not talking about the resting heart rate i'm talking about the variability so the the time between two beats uh, that can be measured with some softwares. Uh, so the, the big uh, companies now, they, they propose that. So this is not always super accurate, but it, it helps. Um, so you can do that. And uh, I will do that every week, for instance. I think this is, this is enough or twice a week. You don't have to do it every day for sure. If you do it weekly, I think this is enough to, to try to see the tendency. And again, if you do a, a a hard week in terms of training, then it, it is normal that your variability is going down. So if it's going down, it's a bad sign. It means that you're getting fatigued. And, it, and it's okay to get fatigued. You need fatigue, actually. Fatigue is a good thing because it, it prevents you to go too far. And it's also a good thing because it helps you to build uh, your, your, your physiology. So you need fatigue, for sure. Uh, but uh, again, you need fatigue and recovery after fatigue. If you keep accumulating fatigue, it doesn't work. But if you've never fatigued, it doesn't work because it means you are not training enough, right? Uh, so another tool uh, that could be used is, as I said, the, 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 the perceived exertion or even the, the willingness of exercise. If, you, if your performance are okay and if you feel like, yeah, I want to train again, I... I I'm not, uh, I'm not sick of uh, getting trained, etc. I think there is no reason to, to worry. It means that you're, you're okay. If you, if you force yourself to go for training, maybe there is something wrong. And so it's either you are training too much or you are not recovering, you are not recovering enough. And again, as we said before, not recovering enough means not enough time or not the appropriate. And uh, I'm going back to sleep because I think this is a major issue that uh, most people have nowadays. Uh, we don't sleep enough. And uh, if people were spending less time on their phone and on internet, they will probably be better runners. And I'm sure it's the same in India as it is in other countries. So this is, this is very important. Uh, there is, um, then it's a personal choice. Do you want to, to be a good athlete or do you, do you want to spend your life on, uh, on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, no, very true. And uh, it seems like people spend more time on social media than most other places, uh, even here. And uh, you will see number of friends sitting together, but everybody on their phone. They're trying to do something and be in their own virtual. The problem with the lack of sleep is that it's it's not affecting really your physiology per se, but you feel everything as getting hard, as being harder. So particularly for training. If you haven't slept enough, uh, if you haven't slept enough, you will feel like, okay, this is supposed to be an easy workout, but this is difficult. Uh, so maybe I'm not in good shape. No, this is not a problem of shape. This is a problem of uh, sleep deprivation. No, very true. And I have, I have sensed it personally as well. Even one night of bad sleep, if I was traveling or I could, I slept late and next morning, if I, even if I have easy run, and even if I've slept an hour less than what I normally sleep, I'm groggy in the morning, I have headache, 
and the easy easy run feels like it's a hard quality workout so you're absolutely right that this is exactly how it feels and you don't want to train uh, as much as if you have a good sleep and so this is this is why it's important not only for the performance per se but also for the amount of training you're able to do because since you are feeling it's harder you will tend to shorten or shorten the duration of the workout or reduce the intensity so basically this none of that is good for for training and performance and of course it's not all about the the nutrition for instance is is another important uh, aspect um but um yeah as I guess I've discussed that in other episodes of your podcast. <laughs> right. No, no, very important. Just to recap the point of how people can objectively or how people can quantitatively at home measure it. So I think what you suggested is that uh, if you look at measuring your heart rate variability, HRV, uh, once a week or twice a week and, uh, and see that over a period of time, it's not going down, then it's a, it's a good thing. I think what you also said that it's okay to feel fatigued uh, because that's the building block for you to recover and get get faster, etc. But not be in that stage forever. For example, uh, is that right understanding? Yes, this is a very good summary. So the, then we are talking about the, the 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 periodization of training. So what most people do, and I think it works, is that uh, they accumulate fatigue over three weeks. So usually, so there are different models, but a very classic model is to, to increase the workload for three weeks and then take one week off, or almost off with a, a very low uh, workload. So, so you build fatigue, so you, you induce training adaptations in your body during the three weeks of training, then you get fatigued to a point where you, you don't want to train anymore. So it's time to, to recover. And, and actually, you don't have to wait. You don't need to wait until you feel like you're very fatigued. It's uh, it's very good to to anticipate so that to say, okay, now I'm going to train for three weeks, but the last week of the month, I will recover. Even if I feel good, I will recover. I will take one week. When I say off, it's obviously not totally off. If you are, let's say you are used to train uh, five times a week, then maybe the week off will be only two short trainings, right? So this is still training, but uh, much less than what you will do. And then the week after you can start again training. Right. That, that, that's a good uh, benchmark for people to know um, that they don't need to keep just looking at progressing and every week is not a PR week. It's training and there is a way that people have to run. Um, I have seen a lot of people to look good on social media. They want to get their splits that are faster over a period of time and they do not want for it to be reduced. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a, if they, sorry to interrupt, but if they want to be faster, they need to recover. As I said, uh, recovery is completely part of training. If people, don't realize that there is no way they could be a good athlete. Yeah. Now, having self-realization and understand uh, when they can push versus when not is, is extremely important. And one of the right ways of doing it is that first systematically take the, uh, take the load off or reduce it. And it was also good that you alluded to that people don't have to take the full week off because, one, it, it may start to detrain you. And second is... Once you are away from training for a while, it's more difficult to come back to it. But um, yeah, reducing to shorter duration and uh, only a few sessions are, are a lot better way of doing it. 
Yeah, of course, if you take uh, two days off, uh, the following workout, you will feel like it's it's harder, but it's it's uh, temporary. So it's it's very important that you do that no matter what, um, because if you train, like even the very good athletes, they train a lot. So some people can train as much as uh, 30 hours a week. Uh, I think most of them, they take one one day off every week and they take some weeks with a much, much less workload. It's It's impossible to keep accumulating fatigue, to keep accumulating training without recovery. Again, it will lead to overtraining or injury. And um, this is this is um, well known, and I think there is no other way to do it. Right. True. Uh, it, it makes absolutely um, right sense to me, and I, I hope it makes sense to everybody because it's simple, but it makes uh, it makes so much so much logical sense. And coming from someone like you, people should be listening that that's the only way for them to improve or rather one of the, the key components of them uh, improving. At the same time, um, that it's important for people to rest and recover and not build chronic fatigue. At the same time, what is also important is to understand that they are not getting a false sense of fatigue. Do you think beginners, as they get started, there is something called false indication for getting fatigued or that is not the case? Okay, I will answer that question before, but uh, I just wanted to to go back to 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 that uh, to the this aspect of uh, not taking the time to recover. Uh, two things: first, if people are not able to take days off, I think they have a psychological problem, and it exists. We know that uh, quite a few endurance athletes they have what we call exercise addiction. So they cannot if they if they stop exercising they feel bad, and this is a this is a true mental problem, um, and this is not uh, something you you may feel like okay this is a this is nothing this is a, this is not a health problem it's a, it's not as bad as being addicted to drugs or or alcohol but it is actually a real problem because it will lead people to injuries or or social uh, lack of social interaction they. They just want to keep training no matter what, and this is this is actually very problematic. So sports, sports or exercise addiction is a, is a, the the first thing. If you are not able to recover, maybe ask uh, to yourself if you are not a sport addict. Second thing, if you really want to to train more, one good way is, and if you are a runner, one good way is to do what we call cross training. So grab a bike and go for uh, and, and and ride your bike. If you do that, you're, I'm not saying that this is uh, this is okay to to keep increasing workload with the bike. At some point, you will also get fatigued. But at least in terms of uh, musculoskeletal damage, this is this is better than just doing running. So cross training could be swimming, it could be cycling, is is very good and it's a, it's a very useful tip for for athletes. Now going back to your question, the first indication of fatigue, I don't think so. I'm I mean. People, if they don't want to train, if they are too lazy to train, they will not start. Uh, but if you are motivated to, to train and some people, they go for 20 minutes or even less, maybe 10 minutes and they get fatigued if they are very beginners, but that's okay. And they, they just need to, again, maybe stop after 10 minutes, rest one day and start again to do 12 minutes. And again, keep slowly uh, to build your workload, your tr- your training and not trying to go too fast. 
Uh, it's not because your friend is a good athlete that you will be able to do as he does or she does in, in two months. But in a few years, you can definitively reach that level. Even so, of course, you have their genetic uh, is there and not, not everyone can be a champion. As you know. makes, uh, makes absolute sense. Now, when we think of uh, fatigue in training is one part, but second is during racing. Uh, people um, do get fatigued when they are racing and they think it's, uh, it's their race state, so they should keep pushing. But one of the things that also comes about is that they tend to quit or stop or take pause in between because their mind tells them to stop. And at, at later stage in conversations, it comes about that they were actually not as fatigued. They were not as tired, but uh, they just felt like they should stop. So they stopped. Do you think mental aspect of it is something that is playing a role here? And is there a way to train your mind as well to, to get or reduce the sense of fatigue or extend it? Yes. So this is a good question. Um, now we're going back to the flush model. <laughs> so in the flush model, uh, fatigue or perception of fatigue is the amount of water that we have in a, in a tank, in a, in a flush toilets, right? And, but there is this, uh, the, the reason I chose this, uh, uh, this uh, model, of course, this is because I, I thought it was funny, but also because it, it works well, because in a flush, you have a, a sensor that tells you, uh, okay, the water needs to stop going in, otherwise it will overflow. And this is the same thing in, in, in training or in, in, in athletes. We stop exercise before we die. I, I guess you would agree with that. Meaning that we have a security reserve, right? But this security reserve is can be different size. In some people, it's quite tiny. In some people, it's big. And of course, in terms of health, you it's okay if the security reserve is big. But in terms of performance, you want to, to push yourself to your maximal limits. And it means that security reserve needs to be as tiny as possible. And one way to do that is actually to do mental training. So, for instance, to have positive self-talk or that kind of thing, positive uh, um, or um, dissociative think, uh, thought so that you are not thinking about what you are doing so that it can help you to push a bit more. So there, I'm not a specialist of mental training. I'm a physiologist, but definitely mental training works. But the, the funny thing is that mental training should not be here to induce less fatigue at the end of the day. It will help you to get more fatigue because, because of this uh, central limitation, this mental limitation, if you're able to to remove part of it, it means that your objective fatigue that I was defining at the beginning of this podcast, like for instance, the amount of uh, strength loss that you will get, if you have a good mental training, a good mental preparation, you will get more fatigue. And this is a good thing because it means that you're more performant than if you have this uh, mental break. If you, if I'm, I'm not sure if I'm clear, but this is a, so in the end, mental training is here to improve your performance and not to alleviate fatigue, but to actually increase fatigue. Yeah. And it's very clear. Uh, you, you were spot on. It, it makes so much sense that uh, once you are able to push through it and reach as close to your boundary, as periphery as possible, then you are actually pushing the limit of the fatigue, just that you're able to bear it for a longer period of time. And so it makes, uh, makes, uh, makes absolute sense. 
so it, it doesn't mean that uh, uh, you can, of course, if you have a if you're a strong mentor, you can do anything and you could, uh, for instance, have a bad pacing. Of course, you still have to be smart and uh, not start to pass, uh, get the, the right nutrition at the right uh, time, etc., etc. But the mentor, so mentor training can also help for that, actually. But mentor training can, as you said, uh, help to push your boundaries. And um, some people are naturally strong. Uh, I, I, I truly believe that some people are mentally very strong, but uh, as any other capacity, this uh, mental strength can be developed by your proper training. So that's why we need a mental coach. Right. And I think people should be aware of it and not only take it this way that they are going to go and race and try to push as hard as possible senselessly without training for it. Then they are posing themselves to certain health risks, etc. I think the conversation we are having is for athletes who are healthy, who have been training, and during the race, they want to be able to push their limits, or even during training, they're able to push their limits. But the requirement is that they need to be absolutely healthy. It should not happen that uh, absolute beginners or people who may not have understanding of it, um, they are going to push from the very start, and that might lead them into certain other situations that may not be as healthy. Yeah, as we said, we need to be patient. We need to build slowly the, the training. But because of the, the brain uh, works so well, even in, if beginners, with the exception of uh, maybe cardiovascular uh, risks. So if you are a beginner, especially if you are 40 or 50 and you haven't exercised much in your life, so you need you first need to, to see a doctor to make sure that everything is, is okay in terms of uh, cardiovascular health. Uh, if this is the case, then there is actually not uh, such a big risk in terms of, yeah, you will feel fatigue, your brain you will tell you you are fatigued, so you will have to rest, uh, even if you are super motivated. Uh, but if, of course, some people are so strong that they will keep pushing, and at some point that they may get injured uh, actually quite early, especially if they, they are totally total beginners and they, they start, and as we said, they want to, to do the same thing as their friend, who was uh, who is exercising for for many years? Uh, then it doesn't work, and the, the person will get injured in in two weeks or two months, and will will quit training. So of course, in terms of uh, health, this is not good. So that's why people need to be patient. Need to you need to push at some points. You cannot uh, you cannot be a good athlete or even uh, be healthy if you are if you are too lazy. So for sure, you need to push. But you also need to recover. So again, it's a, um, as, as Canadians say, it's a work hard, play hard. So you need to, to not forget the play hard part. You need to recover as well. Yeah, for sure. Now, the, the point of fatigue itself, um, it being a muscle specific or uh, the impact of it being body specific. I've seen at times people will go and run and do real hard workout and they would say that because they only train their legs or lower extremities they can go and do real hard workout for their upper body workout strength training etc while strength training is good but do you think that that is the case or a workout like running is going to have a, a body-wide impact and fatigue over a period of time no, if you train if you train in running only, you will never improve the 
the capacities of your upper limbs. It's uh, it's very specific to the muscles that are activated. Uh, it doesn't mean that fatigue cannot occur. So if you, for instance, there are smart studies showing that if you if you do exercise with your uh, arms and then you you do a the time trial with your in, in cycling, for instance, your performance will be lower. But the, the reason is not is is probably central because you you start to accumulate this uh, perceived exertion and when you start you are feeling even so this is different muscle you feel like okay this is harder so that's the performance is deteriorated but uh, so there there is some cross talk between between muscles but in terms of acute fatigue but in terms of training if you train your legs the adaptations will only occur in your legs in terms of uh, uh, capillarization, the amount of, uh, you know, these small vessels that you have in your muscles in terms of uh, glycogen accumulation, etc. So everything is very specific to the muscle. And of course, uh, the, the, the cardiovascular uh, system, it's a different story. So any type of exercise can improve that at some point, especially for large muscle mass. So it, in that sense, it's better to to use your legs than your arms because the muscles are, are larger or bigger. Um, and then when we talk about fatigue and specific muscle, we also need to remember that fatigue is not only in the muscles. We haven't talked too much about it, but uh, something very important to consider is the central nervous system also get fatigued. So not only in terms of perceived exertion, we have talked a lot about that, but even in terms of maximal capacities, and we show that, uh, we have shown that many times, we and other researchers have shown that many times in, in our research, uh, that if you, especially for ultramarathon, for instance, if you do, uh, we have done many studies uh, at the UTMB. I don't know if you know this race in, in, in the Alps, around, yeah, around the Mont Blanc. And um, so this is a true ultramarathon and people, may lose as much as a 20 or 30% of their capacity to activate their muscle, meaning that the muscles are fatigued, but on top of that, the brain is not able to contract, to fully contract the muscles anymore. And the reduction, again, could be as much as 20 or 30%. It recovers pretty well, so two days after that, it's, it's okay in terms of uh, brain and central nervous system. But right after the race, uh, this is another way probably that the body has to protect uh, himself. Uh, you are not able to, to push as much as when you are rested. So this is what we call the central fatigue or central activation reduction. No, very important. Thank you that you, you mentioned about the CNS being impacted and uh, how this is, uh, this is important to take care of. Um, one, of the, one of the other things I wanted your opinion on uh, in the start, we talked about uh, through heart rate variability and resting heart rate. Um, through these, you could measure fatigue. Now, there are various pods that are available through which you are able to measure your um, your ground contact time, vertical oscillation, etc. Um, if you see over a period of time, if an athlete gets fatigued over months, do you think by measuring their vertical oscillation or ground contact time, an increase in that could be a sign of they getting fatigued or not? My opinion is that those wearable technologies will be helpful uh, at some point to prevent fatigue and injuries, but I don't think we are here yet. <laughs> uh, at, at the moment, I don't think it works, um, at least 
to my to the best of my knowledge i have no evidence that it will uh, there is not enough solid evidence that it definitively helps to prevent fatigue or injuries but uh, i think using multiple sensors at some point it will be possible um, but again except if i missed some some recent studies or or, or good studies uh, i think the evidence is not here yet i may be wrong but this is my opinion okay so now uh, what's happening in in your lab in your research world where where are you headed what's been your interest within fatigue for uh, athletics population um, where are you focusing so at the moment we are uh, starting a, a phd program when we want to compare road running and trail running so i'm not sure if uh, trail running is popular in india uh, or if it's mainly road running, but in, in Europe, uh, trail running is getting more and more popular. And uh, actually, uh, most uh, fatigue studies have been done on trail running and less, uh, even it, it seems strange because uh, uh, still at the moment, the majority of uh, runners are road runners, not, not trail runners, but still the, the scientific evidence is more on trail running for some reasons, especially for ultra, but uh, anyway. So we want to compare road runners. For instance, we don't know why um marathon runners they can only two uh, can sorry can only do two marathons per year um, most of them at least and in trail runners also there is a eccentric contraction there is denivelation etc people are able to do much more uh, without getting fatigue or injured so this is a strange so we want to study that uh, a bit more and we actually have a program, I'm not sure if it will be funded, that we also want, so it's a very large program in France with different teams, but we want to develop, um, we are talking about so the tools to, to detect fatigue at home, not in the lab, and we want to work on that. Uh, so I'm not talking about heart rate variability, I'm talking about uh, tests that people could do uh, with very smart, like with their smartphone or, or very basic uh, tools, but uh, since we are not sure it is valid. We want to, to do uh, some research on that. To it, it's exactly what you the, one of the first question you ask. What can what can we use to to detect fatigue and prevent fatigue? So we want to work on that. And in this project, there are also wearable technologies that is involved. So we hope to participate to this effort, uh, so that these technologies can be used in the future to to prevent injuries and and fatigue and improve performance. Awesome. So in terms of uh, performance research, this is a uh, and running this is what we what we want to do and but as i said most of my research is now dedicated to patients more than runners i like to do both but now it's uh, i would say one third on runners and two thirds on on patients hmm. okay uh, great i think uh, it will be great uh, if there is a there is a way that we could measure it uh, at home because we all want it easy way out isn't it to figure out uh, but up until then the points that you talked about are really important for people to do objective measurements and be aware of where are they headed. Be mindful of how they're training, how they are eating, and how are they recovering. Uh, the point that you talked about on trail running, it's actually getting very popular in India as well. Um, it started getting popular about five, six years ago, more primarily. And uh, every year we are seeing new trails being discovered where races are getting organized. We have. Um, we have certain certain ultras that happen at some of the highest peaks in the world here in Leh, um, which is uh, which is getting more and more popular. 
and uh, and we are seeing a lot of foreign interests as well into that. So, so our trail running has been uh, progressing pretty well. Unfortunately, I've never been to India. I would love to go uh, at some point to do some research, maybe <laughs> at uh, one break or, or give some conference. So uh, I, I, I would love to visit your country at some point. Awesome. No, I think that would be great. And if there is a way that uh, we can we can host you here, we'll be it will be our pleasure to to have you uh, here in the country. Um, India is a beautiful country and uh, very very uh, hospitable. We we love to to eat and also we love to host. So so please be our guest at any point of time you decide to visit India. That will be fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, this was an honor to to be able to have you with us on the podcast today. It was an amazing conversation, Dr. Guy. This was fantastic. That was all. To me, it was quite interesting. To me, it made a lot of sense, and I think I'm ready to be fatigued but I'm also ready to get recovered. Enjoy the conversation and I will speak with you guys next time again. Bye.